Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning. My name's Brian, and uh, I do pastoral care here at the church. Tim is uh, off today, and uh, I didn't check. I don't know if there's waves or not. I suspect. Um, and this may look like a day off uh, for him to you, but uh, I can tell you as much time as he's uh, spent uh, with the pit crew, it's a group of us that he's trying to pour into and train, um, it probably would have been less work for him to come up and preach this morning, but uh, he's not that kind of guy, and so we really appreciate that. Um, if you know me, before I did this for a number of years, uh, I worked for a tree company, and that was a really fun job most of the time, uh, but one of the first jobs uh, I went to when I got hired was uh, we got called to one of the golf courses down here at the south end, and they had some huge pine trees that they wanted uh, taken out. And we call that uh, flopping them because you can just make one cut, the tree comes down, and, and then you're good. So I was a ground man, and what you do is uh, they put a rope in the tree so you can kind of pull it, and a massive 110-foot pine tree. So the other ground man and I, he's showing me what to do. Uh, we're on the end of this rope, and the first thing I realize is that what you get to see is you get to see this massive tree coming towards you. And then right before it hits the ground, there's this rush of air. And then this incredible thud is a couple thousand pounds of wood hits the ground. And your inner caveman just goes, yes. <laughs> I was like, I like this. So, uh, but I, a, as I went, you know, I realized you, you, your excitement goes down real quick because you realize, okay, now it's my job to put all of that tree in that truck. So uh, you get a little less excited. And I started to want to learn the rest of, of uh, tree work. And so as the box uh, was able to teach us, um, you know, you can prune trees, you can fertilize trees, you can do things with uh, a really a pretty dead-looking tree that will bring it back. And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting process. But this morning we're going to look at a parable. It's called the parable of the barren fig tree. And that appears to be about uh, cutting down trees, but let's see what, uh, see what uh, Jesus has in mind with this. This is in Luke 13, 6 to 9. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Let's pray. Father, we're just desperate to know how you value us this morning. So come, come speak to us. Lord, if you would uh, 
you need the gift of, uh, of teaching this morning and, and give those who hear the, the gift of hearing that uh, your message might go to their hearts and uh, that we learn and, and grow in our love and our knowledge and, and our experience of you. So in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're, you're kind of new to the Bible and maybe you've heard some things about Jesus, you might be under the impression that he just kind of walked about town spouting these wonderful sounding stories, you know, like reading Hallmark greeting cards of wisdom to people and things. And that's, you know, there were some great stories, but, but that's not really the case. Each one of these parables, as we've preached through them, they have a context. Jesus is talking to a specific group of people, and he tells them this story for a specific reason. And uh, as it is, these guys are not gardeners. <laughs> This is a group of men who basically every time Jesus gathered, somebody tries to bait him into saying something that is going to upset the wrong people, whether it's the Romans, whether it's the uh, Jewish uh, temple hierarchy, whoever it is. Jesus is trying to uh, answer these guys but not uh, take the bait of what they're trying to get him to say. Um, at the time, first century Palestine, you've got a lot of people running around trying to make political change. Jews are trying to keep the lid on everything. So these guys are trying to figure out, where's Jesus on this kind of anarchist spectrum? Where is he coming from exactly? We want to know. And so up above uh, the parable, it helps us put that in context. And Luke includes this, that, that wrote the book. He includes this because he's trying to set the scene because he wants you to get it. He wants you to understand what Jesus is about to teach. But Luke is going to tell you in a way You've heard this conversation before. You've heard the kind of things these guys are about to say to Jesus, and he wants you to be able to step into that situation and say, I know how to answer that. I've heard this before. So he doesn't want you just to get it. He wants you to be able to use this. So um, let's, uh, let's listen to what, what exactly is going on here. In 1 to 3, it says, There were some present at the time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So what's going on is this group of guys said, Listen, there's a group of religious zealots who are in the middle of worshiping in the temple, and we don't know if they were... Um, Jewish believers, or if they were from another, perhaps, uh, Baal or, or Asher religion, we just know that this happened. And this is, we don't even have a specific historic context for this, although Pilate was pretty famous for running around and uh, slaughtering those who believed in anything other than Caesar. And so they're trying to get him to say that these must have been some really bad sinners for their God to allow them to die in the middle of worship like that. They don't even go to the, you know, they were martyred or anything like that. They're trying to get Jesus to say they were really bad sinners. And Jesus uh, isn't going to have that. And if you, if you think about that, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for us to go home, turn on CNN tonight, and maybe you would hear something about the Russian and the Ukraine situation, or maybe you would hear um, Iraqi soldiers go into Afghanistan and slaughter some Muslim Taliban terrorists. 
while they were at worship. How would you feel about that? Really, in your heart, how would you feel about that? And so that's the situation they're trying to get Jesus to react to. And he says, listen, you got your own stuff to worry about. Don't worry about who's the worst sinner here. Worry about your sin because you're going to die too. So your first fill-in is this isn't about bad things happening to bad people. And as, as is usual, Jesus comes back with a little more because he's always trying to kick it up a notch, right? <laughs> he's never content to just let things be. And in 4 and 5, Jesus responds with, hmm, where are those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Tower of Siloam, right beside the pool of Siloam, which if you read your Bible a little bit, you know this would be where good Jewish men and women went to seek healing in the pool. We believe there was an angel that stirred the waters. It would have been where Jewish men and women went to cleanse themselves as, as was commanded in Leviticus, if they had become unclean in some way, they would have to go here and wash in the pool to purify. So these are good Jewish men and women, and that's Jesus' point. This isn't, this is your next fill-in, this isn't about bad things happening to good people. You know, your religion doesn't save or condemn you. Going to church doesn't save you. Keep coming, by the way. Being good and following the rules doesn't save you. It's not, it's not like we have some sort of Christian karma that we've gotten involved in where, where good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. That's not what this is about at all. And you know, sometimes we get that in our heads and we react to this and we get that kind of fatalistic, you know, God is just looking for ways to drop a tower on me. God is just waiting to find somehow to crush me. Back, uh, this is B.C., before Christ, when I lived in California, um, I got a motorcycle. And uh, any chance I could, I would ride out to uh, this place. It's up on the PCH just above Los Angeles. Beautiful spot to hang out. Right across, I mean, literally on the other side of that street is the Pacific Ocean. And there'd be, it's like bike week there, here every day. <laughs> Tons of motorcycles, and, and I would take my little stock Sportster and park around the back. Because those, those are $80,000 and $90,000 motorcycles there. But if you're a Harley guy, you know you can just talk to other bikers. It's just, you know, you're, you're like part of a, a club or something. So I was talking to this guy, and somehow the subject of God came up, and um, I'll tell you uh, what he said, um, although I've cleaned it up considerably. <laughs> he said, God doesn't want anything to do with someone like me. I'm pretty sure one day he's going to find a way to put my bike down, send me straight to hell where I belong. Why bother even trying to change anything now? And we turn ourselves into judge, jury, and executioner because we don't see any fruit on our tree. We don't see any figs. And we're sure God's coming looking for figs. So this is a context Jesus is speaking into. So let's dive into this parable and see what he's talking about. Verse 6. 
And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Your next fill-in is God's planted you in a vineyard. Figuratively and literally, because you're here, right? (laughs) And, you know, this practice of, it, it sounds weird that they would have purposely put a fig tree in a vineyard, but this was actually a fairly common practice because a vineyard has good growing conditions. Things are meant to grow in a vineyard. Things are meant to produce fruit there. They're meant to thrive and flourish. It's not like this tree got planted in the middle of the desert with no hope. It's in a good place. You know, where do you see your tree being planted? Is your vineyard your family? Work? School? Is it a good environment? Is it friendly? Is it flourish? Or is it like a desert? Is it out to get you? You know, we try, to, we try to look at our vineyard where we're planted, and we blame it for all kinds of things, right? We start comparing ourselves to the other trees. Oh, that's really big. Or we realize I'm a tree and that's a vine. And the place is full of vines. But Jesus isn't telling us this story so we can talk about our circumstance. He's telling us this story so we can talk about God's intentions for us. Look at verse 7. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? God's come seeking you. God has intentions for you. God has good intentions for you. He doesn't come to the vineyard not expecting anything on this tree. He comes three years in a row expecting to gather fruit from this tree. It's because, look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God remembers how and why he created you. It's not lost on him. You were created in his image with good things, with good workmanship. But our purpose got lost. It got horribly, horribly lost. In the kingdom, you know, before the fall, Adam and Eve, it says, they were able to be fruitful and multiply. They were bearing fruit. And then sin. Sin broke it. Sin really, really broke it. And so now, that image of him that we all bear within us is obscured. It's obscured from our eyes. It's obscured from God's eyes but for Jesus. In Christ Jesus, God sees that in us again. We're open to the already of the kingdom. And I got to tell you, even after you start following and God can see that in you again, the not yet of the kingdom is we don't see it in each other. 
we don't always see it in each other. We don't see that beautiful image of God in each and every person in this room and out in that world. That's the not yet. But someday the not yet is going to be the already. You know, did you notice that the man comes and asks the vine dresser to justify the tree? He doesn't go straight to cut it down, and of course he doesn't try to talk to the tree. He says, why should I let it use up the ground? Why should I let it? Common sense says cut the thing down. Put something useful in its place. Karma says cut the thing down. Put something that's going to be of good use there in its place. What does the vine dresser say? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. What's the last thing you would do with a fruitless fruit tree if you had one? Put more work into it? It's had its chance. It's grace. There's a picture of grace. You know, in the kingdom, we don't get what we deserve. We get what God wants. He gets his way. Because if we had our way, what would we do? Quick, the guy's coming. Stick a peach. (laughs) Staple an apple on me. Somebody do something. Look at what I do. Look at my big, beautiful house. Look at my car. Look at how hard I work at my job. Look at my wonderful children. That's fruit. You see that, God? You see it? It's not what Jesus says. Your next feeling is Jesus has plans to nourish you. And he's going to start at the roots not with the fruit. One of the first things I learned at that tree job was that it's not disease or insects or thankfully bad pruning practices that kill trees. It's soil compaction. And it's just like you and I experience that day in, day out, trampling on the roots, packing it down, driving a car over the roots, packing it down. Somebody lays a concrete slab on your roots, and before you know it, you're strangling. You can't breathe. You can't get nourishment. You're not getting anything. And that's what Jesus walks into, and he says, let me, let me loosen that. Let me dig around those roots. Give me some room to breathe, some room that those roots can even grow. Not just be satisfied with getting moisture and nourishment. Grow. In the world compacts our soil, and Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, "Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest." Then he says. I'm going to give you what else you need. I'm going to give you manure. And some of us are pretty sure we've gotten more than our share of manure. 
Some of us are more full of it than others, too. But. You know, we don't always see manure for what it is, nourishment. And it can come in a lot of different forms. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's straight-up gourmet food. You know those days when you're with your friends or you're with your kids and it's beautiful like it is outside today, and you're like, yes, this is good. God is good. That's not hard. That's not hard on those days. But sometimes it's not like that. It's a struggle. It's not a good day. You're walking through something, and that's when you need that nourishment. That's when you need the manure. Galatians 5.22, talk about fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You want any of those things? I do. (laughs) I do. Do you get any of those things without a little struggle? Nope. You get peace in the middle of a battle. You get patience while you're waiting for something you dearly want to happen. You get faithfulness when you're being tested. Some of you have had to to learn self-control when somebody really ticks you off. (laughs) That's when you get self-control. But all those things are fruit. And all those things are available to us in Christ. The minute we ask him into our lives, the minute we say, I I surrender. You've been pulling. You've been tugging. I feel it. I surrender. Boom. Our salvation is instant. But it's also ongoing. It also goes into our future, our now eternal future. And that's when he starts to sow those things into us. That's when he starts to sow that love into us when he starts to you know, clothe us with that joy and that peace. That's when the fruit starts popping on the tree. Here's the last sentence to the parable. And we can trip on it, literally and figuratively. We can trip on it. What does he say? This is where you go, yeah, but can I trust him? Can I trust him for all of those things? How do I know? Verse 9, then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. See, I knew it. I knew it, right? The minute I stopped making God happy, here he comes with that axe. It's not a threat. That sentence is not a threat. That sentence exposes grace. 2 Peter 3.8 But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all 
should reach repentance. God the Father is for you. Jesus is for you. Not just after you start following him, before. Before. I, a uh, number of years ago, that same motorcycle, before uh, I surrendered my life, I was riding it cross-country and uh, came out of New Orleans and it was raining really hard. And it was on the 10, which is full of, of trucks, just bumper to bumper with trucks about. And it started to get dark. And as it got dark, it got foggy. And if you've ever been down there, the part going eastward on the 10 coming out of New Orleans is a swamp. So there's no exits. There's no place to go. And it kept getting foggier and foggier and foggier until I couldn't see my front tire, let alone the tractor trailer that I could hear right in front of me and the tractor trailer I could hear right behind me. And there was no place to go. There was nowhere to stop. And I was scared. I was scared. And even though I wasn't a believer at the time, I, I was willing to try anything. <laughs> God, just get me through this. Just get me through this, please. And he did. Two minutes later, it's like I drove through a curtain and the fog was gone. And 100 yards more, there was an exit. And I got off. <laughs> and I sat there for a minute. You know, God is for you. Even before you know it. Now I wasted another couple years before I let him have my life. Now I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. But I can look back and I can see how he's been working and he's been for me and he's for you all that time. He's not waiting to put you down. John 17. Jesus is with his disciples. They're in the garden. He says, just pray with me for a little while because he knows what's about to happen. One of them's about to betray him and going to send him to a horrible death on the cross. And Jesus knows. And he's talking to the Father about his disciples and about all the people he's been ministering to and about you and about me. And he says, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, Satan that the scripture might be fulfilled. The last fill-in is Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.